Hey guys, welcome back to the CWS 247 podcast. Uh, I don't think I have to say too much about what the last weekend was across the country. Um, I'm here with Mitch and Reggie, and right before I turn it over to them, I'll, I'll just say it out loud three times. Kevin Cops, Kevin Cops, Kevin Cops. <laughs> uh, Mitch, Reggie, how are we doing tonight? I am well. I spent a lot of time this weekend watching baseball with you two and some others, and I had a great time watching all of the un- events unfold, and I also had a great time watching the Florida Gators just absolutely – are we allowed to cuss? Can we cuss? Yes. Yeah, we – yeah. <laughs> okay. The Florida Gators, I loved watching them just absolutely shit the bed. It was very <laughs> comical. You love to see it. The Jaguars of South Alabama can't be stopped, and the Bulls of South Florida can't be stopped as well. It was just, it was like we woke up and God was like, I want to bless all of America except for Florida Gator fans. And it really was just the best day ever. I mean, Florida was quite literally the first team eliminated, if I, I'm pretty sure. Cause, well, actually, they would have been if it weren't for rain delays. Never mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they pretty much were. I mean, it was down, they were down. 16 to one or 19 to one or whatever it was. I, I, I'm going to be honest and turn off the game when it hit 10 to one. I just knew that I knew it was over at that point. It it was 19 to one when the the rain decided to make sure we got more of that. So, but if it weren't for that rain delay, they would have been the first team eliminated from the tournament as an, as a regional host. And that just, 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 it was a rough weekend. Uh, yeah, Saturday, I, after that, I turned off the game when it was 10 to one, I did not watch any baseball until about six o'clock Saturday. I was, I was following it, but I just, it's just one of those, you just kind of need to, you need to go through the rest of your day and just kind of cleanse yourself and get away from it. But you know, Mitch, uh, at least credit to you for knowing what day of the week it was, because I can't differentiate between the days at all. Other than I know that, that Arkansas and Nebraska was Monday outside of it. Any other game could have been on any other day. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, one thing One thing I would like to say is a lot of our friends, obviously, we're from Nebraska. A lot of our friends are uh, Nebraska fans, in quotes. Uh, of those friends, probably two of them uh, followed Nebraska baseball remotely before the start of the postseason. And all weekend, me and Noah especially, were tweeting about how good Kevin Copps is. And I've said it on the podcast as to why he's what makes him so good. I've written about it in a column. And they criticized us for simply just saying, oh, Kevin Copps is good. Like, you can't just say that, they said. Uh, Kevin Copps' season RA is now .68. And I got the stats here against just what just what he did against Nebraska especially, but during the regional. 2-0, one save, no earned runs, 13 and two-thirds innings, 15 strikeouts, and only six hits allowed. And against Nebraska, he threw seven innings after throwing 90-some pitches uh, between two games, two and three days prior, I, I just I, I don't know what what more we can say about it. His longest outing of the year. I mean, we were sitting here and we were like, he'll pitch. We don't know how many. And then Dave Van Horn whips him out in the third inning, and it's like, okay, <laughs> what what in the world is going on now? So that, that that that's all I have to say on that for now. Yeah, Mitch, we we do have to give the Nebraska fans credit though. They. They went out of their way to watch their first baseball game of the year, possibly ever. And I'm glad that the game is growing that way. Thrilled for them to get into it. Obviously, Nebraska's a good baseball team on the rise. 
really exciting opportunity for Nebraska fans to get into baseball. And what a first game. Imagine going back and watching your first for your first baseball game ever, and it was that good of a game. That that would have been incredible. I think that one of the very first games I remember was like the it was like the White Sox played some uh, garbage team, um, and it was just a game that I will you know it was just six out, and I don't know why they got a fantastic game for their first baseball game they've ever watched. What a treat! Uh, just a little bit of a, not even a tangent. It's not even going to be breaking news when you guys hear this, but it just flashed across my screen that uh, Texas A&M just hired Jim Schlossnagel from TCU. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, I'm going to throw my crystal ball on Kirk Sarloos to the next head coach TCU. Oh my God. This is live reaction, folks. This is. Where did you see that at? Uh, Who do you think? Kendall Rogers. Kendall Rogers. (laughs) Oh my goodness. At 1155 PM on Tuesday, June 8th. Oh my. That man never sleeps. That is incredible. Well, while we are here, fan cyber that listen to our Elijah McNamee podcast. I worked very hard editing that and editing the video. He was very fun. Elijah is a dear friend of the pod, a real friend of the pod, unlike other players we've name dropped in the past. Elijah was incredible. A lot of great insight onto his big plays here at Mississippi State. And we're actually going to talk about Elijah McNamee later on in our Twitter mailbag questions. So, yeah, listen to that. It was very fun to record. Can't say it enough. Listen to that podcast. I I just kind of want to add one more thing to uh, the new hire. It it shouldn't shock me, but it always does. The SEC's ability just to hire away coaches from top name programs. Every every single time it happens, I'm like, wow, that comes as a shock. And then I think about it, and I'm like, never mind. No, it's not. It happens what seems like every couple of years. It is the SEC. Uh, yeah. the Kendra SEC Rogers, is the, literally the best. Yeah. Kendra Rogers also just tweeted hashtag scoop after dark. So go ahead. Fire the t-shirts Kendall. on that one. Beautiful. And it's I would crazy. say that I'm not, I'm not surprised by AM hiring Shaw Stengel. I'm pretty sure Kendall tweeted that AM is, it was like well known that they're going to wait until TCU was eliminated to make a decision. So they're going to make Jim say no. And, uh, mm. I think that when you're able to, even during the Big 12 tournament, you don't want to sit and say you saw a look in a coach's eye in the dugout in the seventh inning of the game, but he didn't look fully there. So do we think like it's a situation? I know people were talking about this with LSU and Kevin Sullivan or Kevin O'Sullivan. No, not Kevin Sullivan. (laughs) Um, Do you think it's something that, that he tells the team before? The, the Fort Worth regional and then his team quits on him? Or do you think he kept this a secret until the season was over? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would, I would lean towards Schlossnagel's probably, he's probably one of the more upstanding guys. It's like, I don't think he's ever said anything that's been like, Whoa, that was controversial. So I would imagine him being like somewhat open with his, with his guys. Like mm-hmm. this was kind of a rumored thing. It wasn't like, wasn't like AM just went and hired Tim Corbin. It was it was something that was people were talking about it. So I'm sure that it was, hey, I'll be honest with you guys, uh, AM's been in contact with me and probably didn't say much about after that, I would guess. I don't I wasn't in the dugout. But 
uh, yeah, I would imagine that at some point, if he didn't uh, say something out loud, you could feel it that yeah, he's he's checked out. So we're also going to maybe check out a little bit too. But it is still the postseason, so I think that the players are still still dialed in, just maybe not as much. Yeah, the the, the Kevin O'Sullivan situation is a little bit weird because anyone who it seems to be like talking about it, who seems like like nobody's really coming out and saying what they know. I haven't seen anyone talk about that yet, but I've seen just rumors, and a lot of the rumors have just kind of questioned his commitment to uh, coaching baseball right now, and that could be something that turns LSU away from going after him. But at the same time, the the immediate kind of gut reaction by a lot of Florida fans who may or may not have been in the know about something as in him going to LSU were he it, – it just looked like a team who you get told your coach is leaving before the start of the regional and you just don't – you don't care anymore. You don't really care about being there. Now, I, I think that's more so just an easy cop-out for a lot of Florida fans to be like, oh, well, we didn't care our coach is leaving. That's why we looked like shit this weekend. But, who? I mean, at this moment, the only people who really know that are LSU, Kevin O'Sullivan, and possibly the Florida Gators baseball team. Another thing, LSU, their season isn't over yet. Paul Maneri is still the head coach at LSU, yes. and they're going on to play in a super regional in Knoxville. So I think the longer the LSU stays in it, the more rumors that you're going to get. I yeah. still, I would still think that Dan McDonald is going to be the next coach at LSU unless that has changed in the last however many hours it's been since I last saw those, those rumors. But I would assume that that is going to be the case. But people need to realize that LSU will not hire anybody until the season is over. Yep. They're, uh, they're not going to take away from this end of the season run that Paul Maneri and his Tigers are on currently, which is just incredible. By the way, only one person on this podcast picked them to come out of that regional. And that was me. Yep. And his name rhymed with snitchel mutcher. So moving on to the Super Regionals, the first Super Regional we're going to talk about is the Fayetteville Super Regional, North Carolina State versus Arkansas. I mean, I don't really know like what all can be said about NC State here. NC State, obviously the two at the Ruston Regional came out of that one. And then Fayetteville, who it looked like Arkansas could have dropped that game seven against Nebraska, but Kevin Copps came in, did kind of the unthinkable your big hitters with Casey Opitz and big uh, hit Bob came through. And did I, did I botch that nickname or nope, did I, big, big hit Bob? Okay. I, I thought I botched it for a split second. Just I'm dotting myself. Can't be doing that. Um, both, both of them with solo shots, tie the game up. And then Nebraska quite literally gave away the win with three straight walks, then a wild pitch. And then a, pinch hit home run by charlie welch correct okay yes charlie welch i'm doing great here we're rolling uh came into the game seven of 11 on the year with three home runs and he added a fourth one in just dramatic fashion and kevin cops just did didn't give up at all or didn't let up at all i meant not give up didn't let up at all I don't want to make up a stat for Charlie Welch, but I believe all of those home runs are pinch hit. At least three of them are. Uh, yes. Don't know if anybody noticed. It's been all over Twitter today. I certainly didn't notice when he came up to bat. But the ESPN graphic, you know, had his name 
the basic information that's always there, but it also included the the uh, the title of Doctor Pinch Hit, and then he went ahead and hit a three run homer that was heard around the world, uh, which I have watched probably twenty times today, not even intentionally, just been in my Twitter feed that much. Um, I I really I'd like to say uh, credit me for calling that Nebraska game one win of the regional finals. I had said that all week long. I do think that Nebraska probably gave Arkansas more of a fight than Arkansas fans and players and, and the coaches would, would like to admit. I think that Arkansas may have been a little surprised by the way Nebraska played, but I going into that game seven, I legitimately thought that the winner of that game was going to go to Omaha. I don't really think that as hot as North Carolina state is, I don't think they can beat Arkansas first off next, this coming weekend. And I also think that if Nebraska were to knock off Arkansas, that would be some incredible momentum to push them onto the super regionals. There is a little bit of drama. I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but uh, Mojo Haggy was not making friends with Hogpin and all of the Arkansas folks. That was a very interesting storyline for the first two games. I mean, um, not you go. Not a hundred percent sure, like what happened, but I do have an opinion on it. I'll let you guys talk before I say that. One thing that I thought of, and I definitely texted you two about this, was I have not heard any fans from opposing teams complain any more than the usual banter you see between fans all year long with Arkansas fans. Nobody else who's at that regional was complaining about Arkansas fans. And then all of a sudden, the Nebraska outfielder who flips off the opposing fans Nebraska is just on Twitter calling Arkansas just how just classless and yada, yada, yada. And it's just to me, I thought about it. I'm like, I don't remember hearing like any issues of the sort all year long. And now that you have a Nebraska player who is flipping off Arkansas and now, oh, now the problems arise. And I had a person who's a Nebraska fan mentioned to me, oh, well, they were, they were looking him up on social media. They were looking up his family members and like taunting him that way, which I mean, that happens. I'm not going to, I mean, I've definitely have heard that like been used to taunt opposing team players in various different places, different sports, what have you. And to me, it's just like, if you're Mojo, you can't let that get in your head. And it clearly did. And then it, all it did was just fuel the Arkansas crowd, both Sunday and Monday. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on it. First, when it when it hit the timeline on Twitter that he had turned around and done this, number one, I don't know how many fans were actually actively in the hog pen at that point. Obviously, NJIT was their adopted team, so I'm sure that there were a few, but it wasn't like it was the full crowd. Otherwise, I think it would have been an absolute zoo, and we would have had video, and there would have been a lot more. We have no evidence that it actually happened, but I, I, I have no doubts that it happened. But at the same, at the same time, when when it hit the timeline, it reminded me so much of Luke Smith against Vanderbilt in the uh, College World Series, where Louis- Louisville's pitcher decided to start yelling at Vanderbilt, whereas you have Mojo Haggy, who 
By the way, never never name your kid Mojo and expect him to be an upstanding. His name his name isn't Mojo. That's a nickname. What, what's his real name? His real name is Morris John. I went to middle I school. I see why with him. he. I see why he goes by Mojo. Uh, don't turn around and flip off the fan base that you're going to have to go and beat twice. Maybe if it's the seventh inning and you're up eighteen to zero, it's the number one team in the country that hasn't lost two games to the same team all year, and you have to go out and do that two game two days in a row now and you decide to rile them up a little bit more, it was an idiotic move. I would have, if I had access to the Barstool Sportsbook or any other sportsbook, and it's a good thing I don't, because I would have gone and I would have bet my neighborhood on Arkansas beating them just that game because you gave Arkansas that much more reason to play. Obviously, Arkansas didn't, didn't take it that way. Maybe they thought they could have just walked in that game one. Maybe Nebraska's just that good. But I thought, there's no way Arkansas doesn't win this now. You just gave the number one team in the country a reason to show up in front of their 13,000 fans that were going to show up anyway. So I thought it was a bonehead move. And then I think that, you know, part of part of the game is allowing the fans to to learn your mom's name. I know that on the 11.7 yeah, podcast, no, I don't think shout out our good. friends over there. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's part of it. I, I know that. In there, he was talking about the the guy who hosts that used to play for some some like mid level college team, not but not Power Five, but he was in a road game at uh at Ole Miss, and the fans in the outfield were were chanting you know his mom's name, his, his <laughs> sister's name, and it was just that's the environment that you love. Maybe you don't go out of, the, out of your way to harass them on social media, but I think it's perfectly fine to have the knowledge of here's everybody in your family's name and we're going to, we're going to remind you of how much power we as the fans have. Was it a hundred percent? Let's go make sure that uh, Morris, John Haggy's mom has to go private on Twitter. Maybe not, but maybe don't flip off the crowd when you have to go beat them twice. See here, here's my issue. And I'm going to preface this by saying I am a Nebraska fan. And I, Honestly, I was probably rooting for Nebraska this past weekend to beat Arkansas. But the issue I have with it is if you go back a year and a half ago to when Nebraska played Iowa in football and the Iowa kicker Keith Duncan kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired in Memorial Stadium, the ball goes through the uprights. Keith Duncan runs down the field and he starts blowing kisses to the sideline. He starts blowing kisses to Scott Frost. He's going nuts. His adrenaline is high. Nebraska fans were ready to wring his neck. And I think it's a very similar situation you have with Mojo Haggy, you know, allegedly mouthing with the with the hog pin and flipping off the hog pin. And now Nebraska fans are getting a taste of what it was like when a player on their side maybe shows a little bit too much emotion and it, it just creates a a toxic, a toxic environment. So that's the issue I have with it is that it's, it's kind of contradicting everything that Nebraska fans said two years ago about Keith Duncan and you know, how he needs to, to keep his mouth shut and act like he's been there before. And now Arkansas fans are saying the same thing to a Nebraska athlete. So I mean, uh, everyone everyone hates it till their guy does it. It's yeah, exactly. What what exactly. it comes down to. But I I do agree with what Mitch said. We haven't had there hasn't been a fan base all season long that has said 
oh God, these Arkansas fans are awful and classless and horrible human beings. That didn't happen until this weekend. Yeah. So that's that's the issue I have with it. And to put that in the rearview mirror and move on to a more happier note, Eric Musselman responded to my tweet of if Eric Musselman is in the hog pin, send me picks immediately. Eric Musselman himself responded to it. I am a hog fan, diehard hog fan for the next four weeks. Uh, woo pig, whatever the, the chant woo is. Pig suey. Come on, pig Randy. suey. I, I, That's I, me. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, we can sit here and talk about this whole uh, mojo situation, I think for a while because I think I think it's interesting to talk about like the fan the way fans can affect the game especially not having them for so long in any terms of any sporting event but so kind of moving on to the NC State versus Arkansas matchup for this uh, upcoming weekend I you can sit here and you can talk about the matchup all you want but I just don't really see any way Arkansas loses they're literally built to win a three-game series and there's just nothing else about it that, that team is just – they I mean, the only issue I can see them running into is lack of starting pitching depth. But with Wicklander being so good, and you, you if you can get good innings out of Leo Lockhart and Caleb uh, Broden, I believe his name is, Bolden. Bolden, it's Bolden. I'm, 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 don't, I'm not saying that's 100% correct, but I'm, I know I'm close. I, I'll, I'll check that here in a sec. But then you got, for NC State, you got Reed Johnson, who's been their uh, Friday starter. And on the year, he's eight and two. He has he's a three nine ERA, and he's got eighty six strikeouts and eighty seven and two thirds innings. And one thing that's kind of interesting about him is in his last ten starts, he's gotten at least six innings, and he's gotten the win in his last six starts. So I think for him or for North Carolina State, it is key that you get him going and you and he has a good game in that game one against Arkansas. If you can find a way to beat Arkansas when they got Wicklander out there. I, you, you have a very good chance to beat them in a three-game series, but I just don't see it happening. Wicklander has been so good all year, and you back him up with Kevin Copps out of the pen. If you get if you go Wicklander, then Copps, and that that's what you're looking at if you're NC State. I don't see really any way that they win that game one. And if you lose that game one for NC State, I'd say you're done. And also, NC State's got Tyler McDonough, who's got a 351 average, 15 home runs, 43 RBIs on the year. They got they're, they're a good ball club. They're a very good team out of the ACC, but I just don't see them matching up very well with the literal best team in the country and someone who's been so dominant all year in the best conference in the world. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, an issue that that I find sort of concerning for Arkansas is the offense. I don't know if that might be a hot take, but I could back it up with some numbers from this weekend. Arkansas had 13 hits in their first game against NJIT. And then they proceeded that with five hits on Saturday night against Nebraska, four hits Saturday night or Sunday night, six hits on Monday night. So after 13 hits in their first game, they combined for 15 in the next three. And I think that if your pitching is going to pitch so well, they have to have the proper run support. And I know Noah told us this before in the in the meeting room before our podcast actually started that um, I completely lost what I was going to say. Oh, Cops is going to give up a run. Like Cops will give up one or two. He's not going to give up four or five. 
That's yeah. probably the same with Wicklander and the rest of that staff, but they need to have the run support to be able to put that team in a position to where they can feel invincible and they can feel like they can go out there and win every game. And I don't really have any doubts that they can't do that now because, you know, obviously like Mitch just said, they're the best team on the planet in college baseball right now. But in order to feel like you have all ends covered, those bats need to figure it out and they need to figure it out before you get to the sixth, seventh, eighth innings of games. Because when you get to the College World Series and you have teams that are going to be more Arkansas speed, it's every run matters. And you can't wait until the last three or four innings to get started. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Your, nope. Oh, you can go no. To your point about uh, Arkansas maybe struggling to hit the ball in the regional play, I think that's going to be leveled out a little bit when uh, Brady Slavens makes his full return. He came back against Nebraska, but he was still hobbling a little bit in game three. Uh, I think we're going to see Brady Slavens work his way back into the lot lineup. Uh, people don't really realize that he's the SEC leader in RBIs. At least he was headed into Hoover. I, I don't think he gave up that lead. 60 RBIs on the season. He's been a catalyst for that team. Uh, one of those guys who you kind of overlook when you think about Bob Moore and and even you know Charlie Welch hitting nukes. Uh, Brady Slavin's come back, I think will kind of vault them a little bit, but the question is how healthy is he? And I think that if he can be healthy, then I don't think there's anything stopping Arkansas from winning a national championship, but I do agree that that was a little bit concerning how they only, how they got out hit by Nebraska twice. I think you can kind of look at it as something that just goes to say just how good Arkansas is, is Nebraska very well could, or I, I wouldn't say they did, but I mean, they came close to outplaying uh, Arkansas in both that first game they played and that third game they played, it's just a matter of who got the more, who got more breaks. But Arkansas, they didn't look that great uh, that first game against Nebraska. They they struggled that th- that's the third game against Nebraska until later on. But they both came out victorious in both of those games, and it just goes to show like this team they just they just find ways to win. Which when it c- gets down to this time of the year, as long as you're doing that, I think kind of everything else goes out the door. I think if they play a seven inning game on Monday night that Nebraska probably wins. And that just goes back to my last point of Arkansas needs to find the bats. They, they, they cannot wait until the eighth inning and to, to save the day. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I can honestly say like from what I saw on Monday night, Nebraska outplayed Arkansas for seven innings. Yeah. But the last two innings, Arkansas powered through and got out, got out of whatever funk they were in to, you know, come back and, and emerge victorious. And people can say, oh, Arkansas doesn't lose games going into that game against Nebraska. They Going into the game seven against Nebraska, they had 11 losses on the year. Nebraska had 13. Nebraska only had – granted, they played a handful less games, but Nebraska only had 13 losses going into that game seven in the regional. So Nebraska is a good team. I, I know Noah touched on it at the beginning. They have a very bright future ahead of them. It'll be very fun to see where uh, Will Bolt gets that team in the coming years. And I, um, I maybe this is a hot take. I think Will Bolt might win a national championship at Nebraska before he's done. Oh, that is a sizzling take. Uh, my I question for myself, Jesus. My question for you guys is uh, if that game goes 10, 11 innings, when does Kevin Cobbs come out, or does he? 
I don't think he does. I legitimately don't think he does. Now, obviously, if we're getting into like the 12th, 13th, 14th, like probably because his pitch count was over 200 for the weekend. That's <laughs> it like, was actually just under. Oh, was it? It didn't go over 200. I think it, was, it finished I, at I, 194, roughly something like was that. Was it really? Yeah. I know. I, I was keeping track of it. And then um, after that, home run i just kind of gave up on it but yeah i <laughs> i think they uh dave van horn might leave cops out until his arm falls off and i know so i forgot what tweet it was but somebody responded to a tweet about cops going into the game so early against nebraska on monday it was uh it was a gif of woody and he was flopping his dead arm on the ground. <laughs> and I, I thought that was very, very funny. Obviously, Kevin Cops is superhuman and immortal, so he feels no fatigue at all. But I think I think one thing a lot of people are kind of just overlooking is Spencer Schwellenbach for Nebraska. Dude plays shortstop, and then he just comes in and throws without going to the bullpen at all. Like he just he went from shortstop to the mound when he came in, and that uh, and literally throws ninety seven. Yeah, and throws <laughs> ninety seven, and it just makes zero sense. And he, and I read a tweet after that game, and they said Dave Van Horn is crazy enough to use Kevin Cobb's with how many ever pitches he's already thrown this weekend. Is Will Bolt crazy enough to use Schwellenbach the same way? And I don't know. Obviously, like we're not we're not gonna sit here and talk about the oh well, could he have thrown? Could he not have thrown? But I mean, I, at the end of the day, Will Bolt knows his guys, and if Schwellenbach isn't good to throw, he's not good to throw, and he didn't throw. Yeah, I, I think it was one of those situations where Kevin Cobb is just a freak, and we've seen him do it all year, where he's come in and. He'll come in in the sixth inning, and you're just like, well, he's going to pitch the rest of the game. You know, it's over. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what Spencer Schwellenbach has looked like, what his usages look like. I don't watch the Big Ten, and I'm not afraid to admit it. But uh, I just know that we knew that Kevin Koss was – I didn't know for sure he was going to pitch until the ninth inning, but I, we knew for sure that he wasn't going to leave until at least the sixth, seventh, at the, at the absolute best-case scenario. Unless Arkansas decided to put up 15 runs in the fourth inning. Yeah, I, I think we've really hammered out all we can about this Arkansas and NC State matchup. It's more so been talking about Arkansas versus Nebraska than anything else. But it was just such a such a good matchup for that weekend, which I I mean, I, I will go out and say the committee screwed Nebraska in that one because they, they were better than go, being the two seed in Fayetteville, theoretically putting them at the worst two seed. I, I think they got screwed and you just move on from that and hopefully they bounce back in the future. For now, though, I, I think we're ready to talk about Stanford versus Texas Tech, the Lubbock Super Regional. Mm-hmm. Noah, you got anything to add to that? Well, not to, not to undercut you here, but just one more comment on Nebraska. I think they would have won about 13 regionals this weekend. Uh and they got stuck in one of the three that they wouldn't have. Very true. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Stanford, Texas Tech. I was really hoping to see UC Irvine here. I was really hoping to see, see UC Irvine in Omaha. But uh, Stanford had little or no trouble. Obviously, that one went seven, but Stanford had <laughs> loved to put up the runs. People don't really talk about Stanford's offense. I don't know if that was a, a trend all year long or just something really recent, but Stanford uh, – just hit and hit and hit like crazy in that 
alleged Stanford regional. I'm not going to call it that. I'm going to stick with the Palo Alto regional, but seems like everybody else is making us call it the Stanford regional. And then Texas tech did the exact same thing. Uh, that's, that's three years in a row or three NCAA tournaments in a row. Mind you, there was no tournament last year. So, but uh, that's three in a row where now Texas tech has swept their way to super regional out of the regional, which people don't really talk about. Tim Tedlock is a, as a top tier coach in this sport, but he's done a fantastic job. Texas Tech had never been to a super regional before Tadlock, and now they've been to uh, at least five. Yeah. Um, when you look at that Stanford team, you look at, you kind of look up and down their stat sheet over the year. It's hard to pick out a guy who during the year and during even like like when you like that translated from like during the regular season to during like the regional, like the guys who were doing it for him weren't along the like it was not the same dudes who were doing it the regular season in, in the postseason. I mean, uh, Tim Tawa, I'm probably butchering that last name. It's T-A-W-A. But during the regular season, had a 291 average with 10 home runs, 37 RBIs. And during the regional, he was 9 for 19 with 3 home runs, 8 RBIs, and 7 runs scored. So it, it's kind of a team. They're kind of similar to like Notre Dame. They don't really have anyone whose stats jump off the page at you. And they just find ways to win. And then for Texas Tech, it's just got to you got to talk about Jace Young, who is a in the Player of the Year discussion. He's hitting 343. He's got 21 home runs, 67 RBIs, and during the regional he was five for 14, five runs scored, two RBIs, one home run. So I think for Texas Tech to go out and against Stanford and for them to make it to Omaha, he's someone who, I mean, it's weird saying this considering it's not a bad stat line I just listed off, but he's someone who you might want to just produce more RBIs. I don't know if that's whether something I didn't watch Texas tech game. So I don't know if that's something you need the people in front of him getting on base for what, but I, you, you want to see more um, run run production out of him for them to make it to Omaha. Yeah. Um, one thing I've, I've been told to keep my eyes on through the Texas tech fan, just from watching their tweets throughout the year, that bullpen is a little bit shaky. We didn't really have to worry about it too much in the Lubbock regional but in this super regional, we could potentially see a little bit of that struggle come through. Uh, I don't know if Stanford is what their pitching department looks like, but I think Texas Tech might have that to worry about a little bit. But uh, I think Texas Tech, I don't know if we are offering predictions. Did we, did we really touch on that? But I think I think Texas Tech is going to maybe win this one in two games. I could see it going three, but I think I think Tech is going to win. And then if we just didn't even say it last time, I think Arkansas will win their, win their super regional oh. too. Oh, we we are here to give takes. We're here to give hot takes. I mean, Reggie put out a take that was literally like fresh off the grill. So it was so no hot. Big red. <laughs> I I'm I right now I got my before the start of the postseason, I picked Stanford. And if I had to go out on a limb right now, I would say Texas Tech just from the way they looked in that in their regional and like the way that Stanford kind of they, they struggled against UC Irvine in that second game that they played. They lost eight to four, but they bounced back scoring 11 runs. I think it just kind of depends if you get if you get Stanford and you get that game against UC Irvine one one of those games you're spelling trouble because Texas tech is a team that can put up runs on you. So I think right now I'm going to pick Texas tech to make it to Omaha. I think I would also go with Texas tech. I really, really like Jace young. And I think Stanford people underestimate travel quite a bit. Obviously it didn't phase LSU, but Stanford going, I don't, 
let me look at Stanford's schedule. The Pac-12 wasn't just obviously wasn't just Pac-12 teams because Arizona got their tail raised against Dixie State, but uh, Stanford played UC think, during the regular season. I know that. Yeah. Um, just rolling through their schedule, Stanford hasn't played anybody off the West Coast. They haven't traveled anywhere off the West Coast. I say I think them going to Texas, especially Lubbock, for a Super Regional for games that legitimately matter now, I think that accounts for more than people think. And I know Stanford is good. Obviously, the bats are good. We watched that last night with the however many home run performance the Cardinal had. But Texas Tech, I think, is a very underrated atmosphere and environment. And I know just speaking from experience at the College World Series for myself, Texas Tech fans are really, really passionate. And um, I'm probably going to take Texas Tech, and I'm probably going to root for Texas Tech as well. Uh, The thing with Texas Tech fans is that it'll be 100 degrees, and they'll be out wearing their cowboy boots here yep. in the stadium. It's yep. like, how, how are you guys alive? Like, how do you live? Like, do you guys just drink water for fun? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a fun team when they're here. I, I always enjoy it when Texas Tech is here. I feel like when when you look at all of the schools in Texas, this, this fan base that represents, like, okay, this is what Texas is all about. It's not Texas, but it's Texas Tech. Yeah. Like they they scream like woo cowboy yeehaw. I I really like Texas Tech, and, and that uh, stems from me like way back in third grade when I liked Texas Tech just because of their football jerseys. Uh, the Tim Tadlock is signed to a lifetime contract. I think that was kind of a we're baseball fans now. This is a baseball school now because uh, yep. Chris Beard decided to skip town. Yikes. Yeah. So sleaze bag Chris Beard. Yeah. Can't change my mind there. Chris what Snake Beards. Yeah, the yeah, I yeah, I mean Texas Tech, I mean, they're I, I just I, they're hot right now, I feel, after that regional they had, and I like them against Stanford. Um moving on, we have Ole Miss versus Arizona. I, one leg Tim. Yeah. That one Oxford Tim. That uh, Oxford regional I, I, was a fun one. It got I, I would argue, around a bit because of rain. Excuse me, Mitch. I would argue that the Tim Elko still has two legs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh I, my. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh my. I don't know like what we do at this point. I mean his his dude, third leg is his second leg for yeah. those slow folks out there. <laughs> he uh tore tore his ACL in April, came back in May, and I've been rakes. saying the dude I, rakes. I've been saying it since the SEC tournament started. Why don't teams just intentionally walk him? I don't care. Eli Dalton Wilson responded to one of my tweets like that too. He's like, I don't are people not walking Tim Elk. I don't care if the bases are loaded. You walk him. You you bring that run home. Who cares? He's hitting grand yeah. slams left and right. He went Tim Elko just this weekend alone went four for 13, six runs, three home runs. Two of which were grand slams. He had ten RBIs. And by ten the way, RBIs. Folks. By the way, Southern Miss kind of figured it out. They they intentionally walked him two times in that final game. They 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 got it. Yeah, the message was received. It still didn't matter though because he'd already done his damage over the weekend. Uh, Doug Nikhazy, 
He's good. He's a legit. Doug Nikhazy is very good. If they still had Gunner, I don't know how many times we have to say this. If they still had Gunner, I, Ole Miss would be – I. they'd be a hot pick for Omaha. They'd be a hot pick to win it all. But then you got yeah. Arizona. You got one guy I know for Arizona, Jacob Berry, a freshman. Dude's killing the ball all year long. 357 at average, 15 home runs, 64 RBIs. During the regional, two for 12, only one run score, no RBIs. Yikes. If Arkansas gets bounced, okay, and the rest of the SEC teams make it through the Supers, maybe Tennessee over LSU, who is the national championship favorite? I would, I would argue. What yeah, did you say? I'd say Vanderbilt. 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 I yeah. would argue that if Gunner was healthy, Tim mm-hmm. Elko was healthy, and Nikhazy was it healthy, you could make an argument for Ole Miss. It doesn't matter if Tim Elko's healthy. He's playing better yeah. now than when he was healthy. That is a very valid point. Now, I would say that Ole Miss, if Gunner Hogland hadn't go down, would they be as hot as they are? I know that doesn't really add up, but it, I, I think I he gave them a little something to play do. for. I, I think yes and no. Yes and no. I think there's a little bit of that. Well, you know, sometimes it just kind of takes an injury. It takes it, it, and you see it in the majors. That sometimes it just takes a, someone getting cut to kind of wake the clubhouse up and get them rallied. And I mean, you don't want to like sit here and like speculate about anything, but I mean, like that, that could have been it. The gunner injury could have been what just kind of brought that team together. And they're just, they're playing some hot baseball right now. Because the, the thing is, we talk about, oh, well, what if they had Gunner? Uh, they did have Gunner, and they lost like four SEC series in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's 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 just hard to say, well, if they had Gunner, then just imagine how good they would be because we saw them with Gunner and we saw yeah. how disappointing they were. I, I think it's just kind of something that, I mean, it's it's overreaction is what it is at this point. It's Ole Miss is very good right now. They're hot. They're playing really well. And we're sitting here and we're like, well, they got this guy who's projected to be a first round pick who got hurt. So clearly they'd be better with him. Right. And then you just kind of, ha- you just, you just, everyone ignores what happened when he was there, which I, I think is okay. I think it's, it's, it's more fun to speculate how good this team would be with him than obviously what their ceiling is now without him. This, this podcast has a lot of misses a lot. Like we miss more than we make, but we made that it. is true. We made it when we, we we bought the Ole Miss stock at the perfect time. Yeah, we yep. we all really wanted to fall in love with Ole Miss, and then then we did. Ole Miss has become, I know it's a very hot take, my favorite team to watch in the country the last few weeks. Starkville uh, isn't gonna like that. Yeah, I know that people <laughs> won't like that, but they are so fun to watch. They are very wa- fun to watch. I watched the uh, the Southern Miss game Sunday or Monday. See, I don't I don't know what days are which, but Monday, and it was just they put up eight runs in in a blink of an eye it was incredible i assume yeah. we all have Ole miss advancing then yeah i i like Ole miss right now i, I yeah I, i'm if, definitely gonna pick Ole miss as so well arizona they need jacob berry to perform like he did during the regular season if he yeah if he has something similar where he's like two for 12 again they're not going to be able to beat Ole miss that that that's not going to that's not going to cut it it's not going to get it done if Ole miss keeps playing the way they are which i think they do they're they got no problems. Ole Miss has a little bit of an issue with their second and third starters. They love to give up runs when they're not when Doug Nikhazy is on the mound. But the thing is that Doug's going to go through game one, presumably. And not to jinx anything, they should be favored to win that game. 
And then after that, they just have to find a way to win one of two. And I think that that's not a tall order for yeah. Ole Miss, who can put up more runs than most teams. That's yeah. not to discredit Arizona, though. Like, Arizona's, Arizona's good. Obviously, they won the Pac-12. A little side note, maybe tangent that I'd like to go on is Monday night, turning from the Nebraska-Arkansas game to the Oregon game and the Air and the Stanford game, I guess Arizona isn't included in this, but the lack of people in the stands there was disgusting. It literally made me sick to my stomach because you see how passionate fans are in the Southeast about the sport in both the SEC and the ACC. And even in Texas, you move the same game to a place in the Pacific Northwest and people just don't care. I don't know if it's because they have better things to do or if the weather was too cold or people just people just flat out don't care but it really really sucks that i know from here maybe even in years past the teams who have no chance of hosting the regionals your threes and your fours you know they they want to go play in the stadiums in the southeast they want to go play in the in the duties and the bombs and they want to play at old miss they want to play at florida Nobody draws a four and says, I want to go play at Stanford. Nobody does that, says, I want to go play in Eugene. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. And, and it, it, it really, really sucks to see that from a fan perspective, especially when you go from one extreme to another, like most people went on Monday night. NJIT had the time of their life, and yes. they went one and two. Yes. I th- who was even the four in the Stanford region? I don't know. Because it wasn't, it, it wasn't like we saw videos of them. The, the being four was North like Dakota us. State. Oh, that's right. We did know that. Love the advice. We didn't get any videos of North Dakota State players being treated like Olympic gods in in Stanford. But every time NJIT like stepped foot within a thousand feet of the ballpark, there would all of a sudden be a standing ovation in the middle of a baseball game. Yeah. And the same goes for Campbell, who was treated very well in Starkville too. There yep, are pictures definitely. of of fans being or fans giving out food to players, which that's a question I have. Is that an NCA violation? I, it was always, in my, it was <laughs> always my assumption. I, even like, even when, you know, not to throw him under the bus, but Elijah McNamee was talking about how he would always get a little bit of steak just when he was on the outfield. Like it's always been my assumption that you can't even give, you can barely give an NCA athlete a high five. <laughs> and now we're I, giving them, we're giving out f- trays of food. I, I think it, kind of is in that like weird gray area because they're not a technically they're fans of the university but they're not associated directly with the university i mean it's kind of like one of my favorite i can't remember where this is from but it's talking about i think it was from the fab five documentary it's talking about what you can and you can't give to a current player and they said you can give a player a bagel but as soon as you put cream cheese on it it's, it's illegal because it's uh what's it called it's it's a benefit whereas a regular bagel isn't which it to me it's just so stupid it's so like we need players should be able to profit off their own likeness like i'm like again same documentary chris weber talks about he walks past a, a, sh- a shop and it's got uh his jersey number but not his name on it his jersey number and he's sitting there and he's like how can they sell this they're profiting off me but i make nothing they make it all which 
is just completely it, it is a backward system that the NCAA has developed over decades and they've just screwed over players and it's something that I just love to see that we're seeing all these states pass these laws saying players should be able to profit off their likeness. And hopefully that's something the NCAA works to change. I know they've talked about it and we've kind of had the start of that process, but it's something that needs to happen sooner than later. Bunch of crooks. The NCAA is, should we move on to East Carolina and Vanderbilt? We can talk about the pod favorite Kumar rocker and his three legs. Kumar, uh, I know when Tim Corbin came out and said that Kumar was going to throw game one against Presbyterian, it was like, why are we wasting Kumar against Presbyterian? And I, maybe it was just a flex move. Like (laughs) Kumar, go out there and just be a king. Like you always are shut down these Presbyterian fellas. And your next start will come against an American team in your own stadium. His last start of his career will be against that American team. And before we move on for Presbyterian, I do have to give them credit. Coolest nickname in the NCAA tournament, the Blue Hose. You can <laughs> you can either think about that as a garden hose or maybe some women from Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> the way that you, you infer that the way that you will. Uh, but I, I am... Uh, I am wondering how ECU got here. It feels like they they went right through their regional without ever being on TV. Feels like we never saw any highlights. Those I Charlotte guess. the the Charlotte ECU games were were pretty good. Mm, I'll take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> I was on the ECU hype train all year, and then right when they were on TV for the for the uh, Atlantic or American, I don't know why I said Atlantic, the American tournament. Uh, all of a sudden, they embarrassed me. So I'm now off of them. I'm rooting for Vandy. I hope they take two of three or the two. I hope they go two and zero. Oh. I, I wouldn't be shocked if if uh, ECU took one when they shouldn't, though. By the way, we, we know what you said. His Kumar's last start, last start at home, is what you meant. Last say. start at home, definitely, yes. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, if, if I didn't say that, that's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. We can sit here. We can talk about Kumar Rocker. We can talk about Jack Ladder. We can talk about the names go on and on and on on this Vanderbilt roster all day. I think Vanderbilt sweeps it 2-0, but East Carolina's got a kid by the name of Connor Norby. He's hitting. I was just about to talk about Connor Norby. He's hitting 426 on the year. He's, he's kind of hit a little bit of a slump now that the postseason has started. I my first introduction to him was that first game of the um, American Conference against Memphis. They introduce him. They talk about how good of a, a player he's been all year long, and then he hits a home run to start off the game. And then, of course, this was a game they went on to lose, of course, because I'm watching him now. And but since then, it's hasn't been as good of a run of. He hasn't hit a home run since their second game in the American Conference. He. <clears throat> He doesn't have an RBI since the uh, their second game against Memphis. He didn't have a single RBI in the, the regional, and he he struggled of late. And if for East Carolina, you even have a shot against Vanderbilt with those just pocket aces they got. You you need a guy like Connor Norby to take step up, and he needs to be there for the Pirates, and he needs to needs to have really good games, really good at bats for them to have a shot. 
I know you mentioned he's kind of started to fall off in 59 games this year. He has 51 RBIs and that's about an RBI game, maybe a little under. So you can pretty much count on Connor Norby to, to come up at least somewhere during an ECU game. Um, yeah, but like, like you said, Mitch, those pocket aces and lighter and Kumar and then Christian little on the third day, if, if somehow ECU gets through those first two guys, I, I just don't think Connor Norby is enough for yeah. the Pirates. And I think I, – I agree with you. I think Vandy wins in two games. Can we talk about – I don't know if you guys watched it all. The Georgia Tech-Vanderbilt game, the regional final that went 12 innings or 11. Yeah. It was 11. Um, it was definitely it was 11. 11. Yeah. Um, um, my my thing is, is that, that that game wasn't started by Christian Little. I'm not sure Christian Little pitched in the regional. It was started by Patrick Riley, who I don't know why they keep throwing him. You have Christian Little, who's better. I know Patrick Riley is is good, and for Vanderbilt, everybody's good, but he is by far like I don't think that I don't think he's better than Christian Little, and he continues to be kind of like the favorite of that committee that they have for that third starter role. I think in Omaha we'll see him for sure, but I think we should see Christian Little ahead of him in the rotation. Uh, so I don't. Like you said, I don't understand why we're sleeping on Christian Little, but uh, Patrick Riley seems to be that guy. He started that game against Georgia Tech, and what an insane game that ended up being. Georgia Tech's uh, Justin Henry Malloy dominated that game, and he transferred from Vanderbilt. He was on that national championship team, and I, I think he might have been told, hey, you should go look elsewhere. So it was a little bit of a revenge game for him, and he kind of he produced very well against the Commodores, although they did not win the game. Christian Little hasn't pitched since he exited the Miss game in the SEC tournament. And I know people made a big deal about that. Even Kendall Rogers tweeted like, oh, you hate to see a kid like this get pulled in this situation, getting hurt. And then everybody came out afterwards and said that, that it was minor, that it wasn't really anything, and that him being pulled was simply precautionary. I'm starting to think if maybe that wasn't the case now that Christian Little is... MIA since May 26th against Ole Miss. Yeah, it's 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 hard to speculate because we don't. Tim Corbin is is also probably the most likely coach in America to keep things close to himself. Uh, so I think that if there's anything secretive about Christian Little, it won't be something that we find out even before somebody asks about ask him about it in the media. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. I know Vanderbilt fans. Shout out if any of you are listening have been struggling with. Uh, the new beat writer for the for the Tennessean, who has just been doing a, a real bang up job of not covering the sport well <laughs> in a regional, and it's been all over Twitter about how she is just apparently just so unqualified. I think I don't I, I think that's not something that's necessarily okay to dig up and say, like they were like, oh she's she's four years out of high school and now she's on this beat. Like okay guys, it's that's probably a fine amount of time. She just finished a, a degree in college. I think it's okay to be covering <laughs> Vanderbilt baseball. But uh, some of the tweets she had were just a little bit of, this is my first baseball game-esque. And I think Vanderbilt fans deserve a little bit better. Uh, so I don't think anybody's going to be asking too, too many hard-hitting questions about Christian Little's status. Moving on, we can talk about the only matchup in the supers that includes two teams from the same conference lsu and tennessee before we get started i need to 
shout out my main man, Noah Robinson. He was fired up after our last podcast, sent me a DM asking me if uh, I was the one that said Tennessee, Tennessee baseball has no fans. <laughs> I was not that person, but I have been uh, talking to him back and forth as the weekend has gone on. Big Tennessee fan down there. Um, I, I'll continue to say it. Tennessee's atmosphere might be one of the most underrated in the entire country. We saw, didn't really get to see that too much. Uh, Tennessee's coach was walking through the stands after the game. That was incredible. Ten, like I know we said it last week, but the future of Tennessee baseball is very bright. And I think they're doing a lot of things the right way in Knoxville. I think there might have been a moment where that crowd, yeah. got fired, where that crowd got fired up just a little bit. Uh, I was, I was Reggie. Reggie said there was not really any moments that like made it onto TV. I, I can think of one I saw. Yeah, maybe just one. Like maybe a like Mitch. Could you imagine if there was a walk off grand slam there? Oh, fuck. Could you could you imagine <laughs> if you know this guy hits a walk off grand slam and just absolutely pimps the living hell out of it? That'd be that'd be pretty cool. I think that'd get a crowd just so fired up. I think that would just set up the team to go on to win the regional. Just no issues after that, right? Too bad he. Too bad that didn't happen, and and too bad uh, Drew Gilbert didn't hit three home runs that regional or anything like that. It's just too bad that that didn't happen. Uh, but while I'm here, I do have to shout out Noah J. Robinson as well. He's been DMing me as much as he has Reggie, I would imagine, because he found me. He found me when I said that uh, Tennessee fans don't exist. And I am going to read this uh, verbatim from him. Uh, in fairness, I didn't get into college baseball until this season. Already caught the bug. <laughs> but being in Hoover last weekend got me even more. Found y'all's podcast Sunday night. Hope you caught the ending to our game, of course in reference to the Grand Slam that maybe one of us didn't catch the ending to. Uh, but Tennessee fans do exist. They exist. Congratulations, Noah J. I, Robinson. You you are today's big lottery winner. I do want to come out in defense of Reggie here. There were a ton of moments from this weekend. It was... There was I wasn't even watching. I don't think I watched a pitch of the Knoxville Regional. Yeah, I, de- I definitely heard about the current slam. So yeah. definitely my bad I, for getting about that. But <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of moments from this past weekend. I, 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 I let it slide this time. But I think the uh, the Eugene, which by the way, the Eugene regional just sounds wrong. It doesn't sound like something that a very relevant college baseball part of the tournament is happening at and especially like Oregon just doesn't it the just the type of school that I just feel like I wouldn't ever expect them to host a regional just you you want when you think of baseball and you think of the state of Oregon for college you think of Oregon State you don't think of Oregon you don't think of the Ducks and by the way I watched I watched a little bit of the Oregon LSU game game seven there was nobody in the stance yeah it was an, it was not it wasn't empty but it was i the most the most active fans in that stadium were the ones who came from Baton Rouge i i have to wonder how much of that is due to due to the government saying that you can't attend a baseball game there still uh, but i i'm not going to pretend that Oregon fans would have packed the place 100% but i wonder what it would have been like if there was no no uh regulation 
Yeah, I guess I did, I did kind of overlook that. But whenever they cut to the fans, the Oregon fans were just kind of there while the LSU fans were cheering. They were loud. They were they were rooting on their Tigers. They want – I mean, the, bi- the big story is Paul Maneri announced his retirement before the start of the tournament. And I, I think that that LSU team rallied behind that, and I think it, they looked as good as they've looked all year at that uh, Eugene Regional. It's kind of been the story of the postseason for some teams out there is how are you reacting to the to the rumor mill? Uh, you have you have LSU's coach Paul Maneri announcing his retirement and the team is rallying behind him. And then you kind of have to wonder, well, what about TCU in Florida as their coaches are, you know, they're not retiring, but they're rumored to maybe be out the door in a different way. And you, you kind of speculate, well, did they lay down and die a little bit? Well, LSU was certainly playing up. So it, it just been interesting to see how some teams react to news and non-news regarding who's going to be coaching their team next year. I mean, one thing to talk about is LSU got shut out their first game. The Gonzaga pitcher Alex Jacob threw a complete game shutout, only gave up four hits and struck out nine. And after that, after I saw that, I was just kind of like, um, I'm not too confident that LSU bounces back and comes out of this because they'd have to win four straight. But they took care of Central Connecticut State, another close game. Then they beat Gonzaga, and then they beat Oregon twice in a row. And it, the team, the, the LSU team we saw after in their last two games was a much different one than what we saw in the first two. And they – Completely different feel to that team, and they. I think after they won that game against Gonzaga, I think they. I think they kind of went into that against Oregon, knowing they they can beat them. They got it. So I have Tennessee tentatively coming out of this regional. Um, obviously, the atmosphere is is second to to maybe a couple in Knoxville. LSU, I think the magic is going to run out. I'd love to see Paul Maneri in Omaha for his last year, but we haven't seen Tennessee in a little bit. We haven't seen Tennessee at the new ballpark. It'll be their first College World Series since 2005. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Tennessee. Yeah, I'm also picking Tennessee. Their uh, their fans found out baseball is a thing for the first time in 16 years. They're excited. They're having fun. It's gonna be a tough uh, environment for LSU to come into, and I like Tennessee in this one. Yeah, I'm going with Tennessee too. Uh, I think the home environment is going to be big. They've expanded it a little bit for the postseason. Uh, I, I would expect that they're going to do the the orange and white stripes like they did against Arkansas. I'm going to say Tennessee in two, but. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU were in there one game one. I'd like to add Noah Robinson did tell me that uh, tickets go on sale on Wednesday. Obviously, this will be released by then. Um, they're only taking orders via phone in Knoxville. He says he imagines this is because they're trying to keep LSU fans out. So I have two tickets to the to the to the Tennessee game. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, <laughs> will, will you be wearing or, orange or white to this one? I'll be wearing my yellow. 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 <laughs> Spot on impression. Kind of reminds me of when Nebraska played at Colorado in football. Was that 
2019. Yeah. And Colorado fans were doing everything they could possibly do to not have Nebraska fans in that stadium. And it just didn't matter. It didn't work. But, <laughs> but Colorado won the game. So, but, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Who, who, who really who really got the last laugh in that one? Well, moving um, on. Hello, this moving coach, on. coach Ed Orgeron. I want Susie gets for you for your baseball game. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Uh, okay. Dallas Baptist in Virginia. Yeah. This super regional will take place in Columbia, which I think is an absolute sham. Um, put this regional in Fort Worth. Give Dallas Baptist the home field advantage. Dallas Baptist is only 30 minutes away from TCU. I was a little disappointed to see those regional final games between Dallas Baptist and Oregon state to be so minimized from a fan's perspective, like the stadium's empty. I just, I just expected maybe a little bit more support for Dallas Baptist there. Just because like I said, they're, they're 30 minutes away from the stadium. Obviously it didn't matter. Dallas Baptist ended up winning, but I would have liked to see a, uh, just just a little more support from the folks in Texas for for a small school trying to make their first college world series uh in a while because they've made it here before I know this is no. their first this is their first super regional has experience. Houston Baptist made it uh Houston anyway just for for hiring Lance Berkman friend of the pod oh my love Lance Berkman um anyway just to drive my point home for the 30th time more fans should have been more fans there to watch Dallas Baptist. Oh, I was wrong about this being Dallas Baptist's first super regional. They made one in 2011, but they have not made it to Omaha. Gotcha. Who did they lose to in 2011? Do, 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 California. Cal. I remember Cal. And that was also Cal's. Cal. Cal had like cut the baseball program and then brought it back, I think. That might have been Kent State. Potato, potato. I, I have a hard time believing Cal cut their baseball program, but let me. Um, if I had to pick a winner, I'm probably going to go with Dallas Baptist just because I feel like you two are going to pick Virginia and I got to be different. Yeah. I don't want were... this. I don't want this pretty little graphic I'm going to make to be the same across the um... board. So we're going to put a DBU in there for me. You were right. I am going to go with Virginia. People don't give me enough credit for taking Virginia out of that regional. And you know credit, what they wanted? Credit Noah. I missed a lot of them, but I got that one right. And uh, I think Virginia's going to play in Omaha. They have the pitching to do it. Uh, the bats, maybe not. Maybe not as much. But they have two aces in that in that rotation. And you know what? Virginia in two. Go who's? Give oh me Dallas Baptist. They're, 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 oh they, my. They, they are my second favorite DBU right now. First is Florida. Florida is the true DBU. I don't want to hear it. Actually, <laughs> Ohio State <laughs> more so. Hook em. Shoe throwers. Shoe uh, throwers. It, moving on. <laughs> moving. I, I've, I've walked throwers. myself into a corner here. Yes. <laughs> shoe thrower. Marco Wilson. Okay. Dallas Baptist wins this one. I couldn't tell you why I think Dallas Baptist is going to win, but I think they're going to win. It's just one of those. It's like you need you need a Cinderella story here in Omaha. My standard for picking teams has always been the same. Can I look at the the left field bullpen at TD Ameritrade Park and see their logo on the wall? And I can't see Dallas Baptist logo on that wall. Can, can, that, uh, yeah. 
are can't you see telling, Oregon's logo on that wall either. Are you telling me you could look <laughs> and we're at not going to. Kent State or yeah. Santa Barbara? When they, I guess Santa Barbara is a – The Gauchos? Better, yeah, they're a much better baseball program than Dallas Baptist. But Stony Brook? Yeah, Stony Brook. Oh, yeah, of course. Cultures, what? There's always those that slip through, but when you're giving me the choice between Virginia, the one I've seen before out there in Dallas Baptist, the one I haven't, give me Virginia. And to talk about UCSB – those guys had Shane Bieber. Yeah, I said that, and then I realized that that, and I was like, "Oh, a little bit different of a baseball program you got out there than uh, Dallas Baptist." Well, who knows? Maybe in a few years, Dallas Baptist Ace will be a Cy Young Award winner. Super Regional number seven, Notre Dame, State? Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, Credit uh, the Hale State Apparel for sending Noah a cease and desist. Tough scenes. Hate to see it. Uh, yeah, you can see us <laughs> see us on Judge Judy Friday three o'clock. <laughs> uh, Representing so this, ourselves on this outline, it says talk about how bad their field and helmets are in regards to Notre Dame. Uh, I wrote the, f- the field pretty bad, but I'm not pretty bad. It. Like. You turn on that on that game, and they zoom in on the golden helmet, which their football helmet doesn't look that bad. Uh, I go to I go to a hockey school in UNO. We played Notre Dame. Their helm their helmet doesn't look that bad. This, I actually thought it looked kind of cool. It looked kind of cool, at least. yeah. But their baseball these golden helmets they just look horrendous when the light hits it just right. It's like okay, I'm blind. I I now need to. I, I now need to go see like I need to see someone to fix my eyes after this. I'm just seeing white here. Mm-hmm. I don't um, understand how pitchers have all these rules where they they can't wear white sleeves, they can't wear wear jewelry. I don't think they can wear eye black. Yet Notre Dame gets to strut up there, and every damn batter they have approach the plate gets to wear these god awful gold helmets I mean, that just oh disgusting. Yeah. The the umpires told Schwellen Bach he couldn't wear a red uh, sleeve. Yeah, which makes no sense, but okay. But then uh, yeah, we got Notre Dame out here and these blinding you with their batting helmets. Yeah, folks, I'm going to interrupt Mitch here, but it's no secret that I favor Mississippi State. Always have, but I really don't want Notre Dame here because they're going to play in that game one if they win in the Super Regional. They're going to play game one Sunday which means at 1 o'clock, we're going to have to sit and watch those helmets glisten. And it's going to hurt my eyes. I don't want to have to see like <laughs> sunglasses on these people's heads reflecting back at me. It is going to be so miserable because it's going to be 100. We already know it's going to be 100 degrees. Nothing we can do about that. But I do not want to have to watch every single Notre Dame batter reflect the sun back at me. That is miserable. So I know that, you know, we're all journalists, we're all professionals, so we're not going to cheer for any teams except for Mississippi State because Notre Dame's helmets deserve to be locked up in, in a museum somewhere. Guantanamo as a, as, Bay. As, as, as an evidence of war because those are criminal. They're war crime, war crime helmets. Uh, Nico Cavadas for Notre Dame is, I don't know, I butchered that dude's name, guarantee it. He's on, well... <laughs> I'm not going to say what the outline says, but um, he, he's on another he, level. He's on a tape. He, he is mashing the ball. Like, 
you could throw him potatoes and he will turn them into mashed potatoes very quickly. That was a very dumb analogy. I apologize for that. I thought you were going with like French fries or something. French fries. I don't. He, he will turn your, your potatoes into mashed potatoes. You heard it here first. Yep. Don't the Irish have a little bit of a potato uh, famine? <laughs> <laughs> Bad joke. That was not my intention. Noah finished that. He drove that point home. Uh, I do not take credit for that. Speaking of driving at home, nobody drives at home better than Notre Dame this weekend. 50 runs scored in their oh, regional. Credit us for just incredible <laughs> segues. I don't have any other comment on top of that. Um, <laughs> we can talk about Mississippi State and how good they are. We, we, we talked about Notre Dame for uh, however long we talked about them, minus one minute longer than I thought we would. Um. But Mississippi State, you got Tanner Allen, you got Landon Sims. Those are the I think the two biggest names when you think of Mississippi State. But then, (laughs) (laughs) Tuco has made an appearance, folks. Tuco from I think when Tuco Salamanca takes the mound on Friday. (laughs) All right, cut, cut, cut. No, we can't cut that. That's so funny. We can't cut that. Noah, <laughs> Noah just put a picture of, of Tuco Salamanca into our uh, podcast outline for those Breaking Bad fans out there. He's very excited. Uh, <laughs> Is he excited for Notre Dame or Mississippi State? <laughs> I think he's just excited for Nico Cavadas. Pronunciation. <laughs> Uh, I will say, I think this might be the one of the better super regional matchups we have. I think it's going to be really competitive. Um, I imagine that we're going to go three for three on predictions here. I have the Bulldogs, but I have this going to a game three. Uh, I'm going to take Mississippi State in two. Uh, this is one of those games where Tan- Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan steps up. I think we're going to hear as time progresses about how Notre Dame's offense is just so explosive after this entire season, they've been disrespected. And I think Notre Dame is going to come out, and they're going to score like three runs in the first inning. And people are going to be like, Lumonis doesn't have it. Fire him. And then, <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's like, same. I guess I said the same thing in the SEC tournament, and and I was wrong. But I think that they're going to come out and win like seven to three, and then they'll come out and win those that game too in, a, in an electric environment. Uh, I would also add, and this is going to upset some people, I'm not going to make a statement about which is better, but I think the Mississippi State fans saw that environment in Fayetteville, and they're going to try and one-up that this weekend. I'm not saying – Hopefully they do. I'm not going to sit here and say one's better than the other because I know I'll get in trouble, but I think right now it's kind of like Mississippi, or Arkansas just threw a punch in, in the best stadium in college baseball postseason-wise fight. Uh, look for the Duty Noble fans to really make some noise, literally and figuratively, this weekend. Uh, to, to give the Mississippi State, sorry, Mitch, to give the Mississippi State fans a little bit of credit, though, it's hard to get excited when you play Campbell, and it's hard to get excited when you play, um, VCU, yeah, and whoever the four was, I forgot, Samford, yep. I don't think they're coming out in droves to, uh, cheer on their dogs when they're playing, uh, schools that we have never heard of. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I think one, one, one thing to take away from this past weekend is bef- going into it. We were all kind of like, how good is Notre Dame? 
we all kind of thought, you know, they're pretty damn good. They're they're good, but it's like okay, but can they hang with those top tier teams? And then I I I left to go somewhere during the Notre Dame game when it was on, and I was like, they had like fifteen runs or whatever, which is already a lot. Get back, and I just get somebody said to me, I was they're like, did you see the final Notre Dame, Notre Dame game? I'm like, uh, no, that was me, Mitch. Shout me out. Shout me it was out, Noah. I was like, no. And they're like, oh, it's 26 to 3. Against UConn. UConn's good. UConn is good. UConn is good. <laughs> like, you look at that number and you're just like, what the fuck is going oh, on? Oh, my expletive. Beep. <laughs> insane. But um, Mississippi State wins in two games. Yeah, two games. Uh, I, I kind of agree with, with Noah that it might start off bad for Mississippi State. Like, Notre Dame might pop out to an early lead. People forget Campbell led the first two innings of that regional final game on Monday. Uh, not that anybody was actually scared, but um, I will stand by my three-game statement, though. I think I think it goes – well, the, the game one is a day game, right? Uh, if like it's 2 a, o'clock? If it- if it's a Saturday game, then it's, it might be a day game. But there'll, there'll be no, like, Friday day games, I don't think. It's a Saturday day game at 1. Notre Dame wins the first. Mississippi State takes the last two. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to add that Mississippi State fans, and this isn't something new, are maybe a little bit worried about who that third starter is. Uh, it's been Fristo for the most – majority of the season if not the entirety of the season <clears throat> who i've actually liked at the beginning of the year i i said for stowe is my favorite mississippi state pitcher and christian mcleod is the first round draft pick uh but he struggled a little bit he kind of makes it about three innings and then kind of checks out after that one time through the order is what you get from for these days which is a little disappointing but he is only a freshman he's gonna he's gonna take control will bednar also a freshman two starting he's been great but I think for so might if his job isn't in jeopardy, he might have already lost it. And that that bullpen was was really really good in that regional final against uh, against Campbell. But the, the starting pitching is a little bit of a question mark, a little bit bigger of a question mark than people might have thought from Mississippi State. But I I think they'll be fine. Uh, just have to control those Notre Dame bats. It'll be interesting to see what Notre Dame what their hitting looks like against a Power Five team not named. Who am I kidding? They didn't play any Power Five teams. They only played Michigan, or did they even play Michigan? They didn't play Michigan. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they didn't play a Power Five team, nor were there any real Power Five teams in that regional. I mean, now we talked about about ja- it, Jackson Mitch. Fristo is he? He was a part of a combined no hitter earlier in the year for the Bulldogs. He's shown that he can he can throw deep and in, deeper into games and put on a good performance. It's just a matter of are you going to get that from him this time around. Um, I know we talked about Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen. People forget about Luke Hancock. He's very good as well. I mean, they're a top team from the SEC. You forget about a lot of names for a lot of schools. All right, on to the last Super Regional we have to cover, and that is the Austin Super Regional. And we got Texas versus um, the team we all expected. That Yeah. I, of the three people on this podcast, I was the one, I'm a Gator fan, and I was the one who was the least confident that they were a lock to be playing against Texas. 
And I think Florida showed off a lot of their inconsistencies early when I think they were pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, a lot of their, they had a lot of inconsistencies throughout the year and Joe Fabian had a horrible end of the year. And that, that carried over from the SEC tournament, the series against Arkansas directly to the regional and South Florida jumped on the Gators early. Didn't let off. They ended up winning the Gainesville Regional and against South Alabama. Quite, it. There's no better like when you when you're looking at a regional final and it's like okay, South Alabama or South Florida. One of these teams is going to Austin to play in a super regional, and you're just kind of sitting there, and it's just like, okay, so Texas is in Omaha. I'm assuming that's how all three of us feel. Correct. Yeah, I have Texas. I don't want Texas, but I have Texas. Yeah. Uh, not only is is Texas like like you just said in Omaha already, they are quietly they quietly dominated a regional in a way that nobody else did. Notre Dame yep. a little bit, but Texas just ran right through them and and they played better teams than Notre Dame did. Uh, Texas is very very good. Texas has Ty Madden. A lot of people, for some reason, don't seem to know that name. Ty Madden is one of the best pitchers in the country. He's going to start game one against – or game three in the College World Series against Mississippi State or Notre Dame, and it's not, it's not going to go well for, for the team facing Ty Madden. Uh, Texas might play for a national championship, folks, and it starts with Ty Madden, and then they can tear the cover off the ball. This is a very good team, and nobody's talking about them. I know Noah and I were both very, very excited about the Texas-Arizona State matchup, and that proved to be nothing, <clears throat> nothing at all. So Texas or Arizona State wouldn't fire their coach after. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I think Noah hit it right on the head. I think that Texas is very quietly – a clear-cut best team in the country. And if, obviously, I would say I'm not alone on this pod in saying that uh, I'm rooting for an SEC national championship and an all-SEC national championship. But I think if we were treated to Texas and Arkansas playing in the three-game series at the end of the College World Series, that would be that would be incredible baseball. And I think right now at the end of the regional weekend, the team that is closest to Arkansas is Texas. And not only would that be good from a talent standpoint and an entertainment standpoint, but those fans don't like each other. It's a little yes. bit before, before our time, but that was the original Texas, Oklahoma was Texas, Arkansas. Those fans are, are still not big on each other. I know there were several Texas fans on Twitter actually rooting for Nebraska, which is ironic because Nebraska fans (laughs) allow Texas to live rent-free in their head. But Texas fans don't care about that. They care about Arkansas a lot. And I know Arkansas fans don't like Texas fans either. So that would be a great one. I can think of one rivalry I would prefer in a national championship. Uh, That'd be the Egg Bowl. But but I I would think that if you're making me choose a, a rivalry, that would be my second choice. I don't know if there are any other rivalries that are available, but that one is not one that people immediately think of, but there could still be some fights in the stands, which as we all know, I'm pro. 
Um, Texas started off their season in the uh, State Farm Baseball Showdown in Arlington, lost to Mississippi State, lost to Ole Miss, lost to Arkansas four to nothing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, completely different team now from what what they were in the middle of February. But I I don't think I think that's one of those games during the season that you can put absolutely no weight into. I think both of those teams have changed so much that you can throw any analysis taken away from from that game specifically out the door. It's interesting that you talk about like, oh, it was in February, the beginning of the season. You don't really think about how long ago that was until you say it. Like, yes, I re- remember trying to stream that game on Flow Sports, folks. That, <laughs> that was that was not like three weeks ago, like you think it was. That was four months ago, and all of a sudden, just like, whoa, that feels so long ago now. And those teams have changed so much. We knew nothing about about how good Arkansas was then. Ole Miss was the number one team in the country then, and then they they decided to stop playing baseball. Now they're back. All of those teams except one are still alive. I believe I saw. I don't know if that's still true. I think I, running through it, I think it is true. TCU lost. Yeah, Outside of that, yeah, they're all still playing. So what an <clears> event <throat> that was. Credit ESPN for not covering it. I don't know if that was their choice <laughs> or, or or whatever, but the fact that that like Omaha warm up potentially was on Flow Sports is a crime. They're lucky the podcast didn't exist when that was happening. <laughs> I mean, you said the. Uh... Our rivalries, rivalries that aren't that are are still available. We got LSU, Arkansas, who don't like each other. We could get mm-hmm. that in theory. I mean, probably won't. Could get Stanford, Notre Dame. Don't really care about that <laughs> one. That would be that would be something. Could yeah. have Texas and Texas Tech though. Mm. The battle for Chris Beard. Yeah, I was gonna say who's who's <laughs> now, poor little Chris. What I've for what I've always thought was kind of weird about that rivalry is if you're Texas Tech, you're kind of. The you're little like, brother. You're not even the little brother. You're the little cousin. Because <laughs> I mean, the little brother in theory would be like Texas A&M. Yeah, but I mean, let's not label anybody as the little brother in that one. That's how you get death threats. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. I'm not saying this. This is more so a football, foot regarding like football relationship. I'm sorry, Texas Tech. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, Michael Capri's cool and all. Um, but and like. <sighs> A weird relationship between two teams in terms of like a rivalry, and in in my eyes at least. Um, but for this one, te- Texas sweeps it two nothing. Do we even need to make predictions on this one? No, I don't think so. I would like to add in Texas Tech and Texas is Texas is the plural of Texas. In their two meeting or in their one meeting this year, they played three games. Texas lost twice. Interesting. 6-3, 5-3, and then they turn around and beat Tech on the last day of the series, 11-3. Hmm. Uh, my final thoughts on, on Texas are just I think they're going to go win 2-0. I, I think that instead of watching the series, you just take our word on how good Texas is and just sit and watch Augie Garrido videos on YouTube. I we promise you that, that you won't regret that. I've been watching so much of his, his, of his highlight tape of him just yelling – it's like listening to – I don't even want to make any sort of stereotype because we love all of our fans in the South, but just go ahead and listen to it. All right. 
so we, we, we've finished up our super regional kind of preview here. We got, we, do we have any mailbag questions before we leave? I'll break out the mailbag questions. Uh, we have, we have just so many mailbag questions. Uh, Jeremiah Swain asks Kevin cops. That, that's, that's the question. That's the question. Very not, good. I would also add that it's not a question. It's a statement and a gif. Uh, Kevin Cops is pretty good. I mean, yeah. he's all right. What? So, this is just kind of. I think the word is potential. Topic, but where do like where does he end up in the draft? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the draft people. I don't like professional people. I don't like how they they value talent because I disagree all the time. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like with talent, it's like okay, he's twenty three years old, but it's like. Kevin Cops is the type, like he's the type of guy we talked about this before, but he, I feel like he's the type of guy who should be pitching come MLB postseason time this year. Like he's been mm-hmm. that good this year. I don't know if that'll be the case, just because Arkansas is using him so much now. Yeah, like true. Nearly two hundred pitch weekends. You know, when when you look at a draft room for pro teams, like I don't. Obviously, I'm not a scout. I'm not have nothing to do with anything in professional baseball but i don't i don't think that's something that teams really like to see especially maybe a team that is that is going to use a first round or maybe a high round draft pick on kevin cops um especially that i think that really diminishes his hopes for sort of being a guy that um gets drafted and you see him in the postseason at the end of the year I don't think that'll happen. I think you could see what what big name pitcher from a handful of years ago was in the same boat. It wasn't I'm thinking like throws a lot in the spring, gets drafted and then is shut down. Was that Kolar? Or was it was Singer? It was Brady it Singer. Might have been both, honestly. Cause Kolar was in Lexington. I watched him in Lexington. I know it wasn't Kolar. I think it was Brady Singer got drafted by the Royals and was shut down immediately after the Florida season. I think you could see something like that happening to cops. If, if he continues to throw like he did this past weekend. Well, here we are again. We've just said someone just with a make a blank statement about Kevin cops. And we've now just talked about Kevin cops for another five minutes okay. not even not even a blank statement just his name the blank statement really powerful question uh our other question which you know we've gotten spoiled we've gotten the last time the last like two times we did this we got like eight questions this time they humbled us only gave us two <laughs> only give us one and a half but you can always count on eli dalton wilson to come through shout out eli dalton wilson we love eli dalton wilson Yes, uh, Eli Dalton Wilson, <laughs> huge friend of the program, says compare the big hit Mac, the big hit Mac home run against Stanford to Arkansas versus Nebraska. I got chills watching both games. That place was rocking. Uh, first off, it's it's not very often you see a Mississippi State fan give props to an Arkansas fan <laughs> I was going to say that's that's a little different. So you can tell the SEC are are, are pumping up themselves a little bit before the SEC Invitational here in Omaha. Uh, but Eli Dalton-Wilson is correct. That place was absolutely rocking. Uh, like I said earlier, I think the Mississippi State fans are going to take the challenge and they're going to they're gonna do what they can to 
to keep their title as the best place in college baseball. Not to say that it's necessarily in jeopardy, but we all saw that environment and bomb this week. Um, I, I, with the home runs, though, I would say that they were very different. Uh, the the Charlie Welch home run for Arkansas wasn't necessarily to win the game, but because they were up by a run with Kevin Copps on the mound, but it put the icing on the cake, and it was one of those where, yeah, we're definitely going on the next round. I guess it was similar in that sense for, for Elijah McNamee's home run, but McNamee's home run didn't mean much for the game. I believe they're up four heading into that home run, and what it really meant was I'm Elijah McNamee. I'm famous for hitting home runs in the, in the, uh, the end of the game, and I'm going to go ahead and do it again. And you, you know what? You can go ahead and listen to our podcast about it. He'll take you on the deep dive into the into that home run and all of his clutch moments in Mississippi State. Check it out if you haven't. In fact, if you're listening to this one before you listen to that one, go listen to the rest of this. Go listen to that one. Come back to the rest of this one. <laughs> but if you made it this far, you've probably listened to the other one. <laughs> I think one thing that like it's kind of brought up between these two home runs, kind of just saying how clutch both the guys are. And but to say how clutch Elijah McMee was, I mean, all of his like moments and you think of come in the postseason, whereas Charlie Welch, this was his first moment in the postseason. And I mean, he's been a guy who's been in using it only in pinch hit situations all year. What an incredible just at bat that he had. And then just to have the home run to cap it all off was just that was an incredible moment. And very honestly, I think that's one of the moments. Like if Arkansas goes on to win the College World Series, that will be one of, if not the like kind of first like moment that is thought of. Yeah, I, that that home run gave me a. Uh... <laughs> um, it did send a chill down my spine. I I can say that, but. After they hit that home run, the people I was watching the game with, it was like Nebraska has no chance. Like after that place erupted, after Eric Musselman was was you know flexing his big guns, waving that flag back and forth in the hog pen, you like like you guys said, McNamee's home run was more for McNamee. I think Welch's home run might give the hogs a, a real, real legit push to the championship. Um, speaking on Eric Musselman, I, I said earlier in the year, we, you know, I, I always like to keep track of who are the people who are going to come see these teams play. Like I'm always waiting for Cliff Lee to show his face when Arkansas is here. Those kind of people, those fringe candidates, like they're not going to be on the field, but will they be in the stands? We've seen people like James Franklin show up for Vandy. So it gets really like, diluted on who like the candidates are to show up for this but i think eric musselman will definitely be in omaha lock of the year chris beard was here for texas tech yeah so it's it's a party it's always a surprise when they flash on the video board and just see who's here we kind of talk about how college baseball is a forgotten sport but then the college world series comes around and these celebrities come out the woodwork you know sports celebrities sprayer's been here for florida Steve Spurrier yeah. was there for South Carolina. When they oh, South 20. Carolina. Shit. Patrick Mahomes may make an appearance with Texas Tech. Uh, I would add that we're on Dallas Braden watch for Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, we saw Kirk Cousins here just for fun. Like Kirk Cousins. Baker Mayfield comes <laughs> here, folks. Like the, the sporting celebrities that come to Omaha for the College World Series is incredible. Mm-hmm. Jawan Howard was here last year. 
Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, did you not know that? I yeah, did was, not know. This that. was like oh relatively like right after he was hired by Michigan too. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. Jawan Howard. Uh, there was an Oregon State. Mitch, you would know, Hall of Fame NBA player, played at Oregon State. Gary Payton. Yeah, he was here. Mike Trout was here walking around. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I was about Mike to. Tr- I was about to say. I was like, he is someone who does not like the spotlight. Mike Trout would probably get one of Vandy's forty-five scholarships. <laughs> Hot uh, Jimmy Jimmy Rollins was here last year. Ryan Howard was here last year, or yeah. in two thousand and nineteen, not yeah. last year. It feels like last year. It feels like last year. Well, I I, I think we've kind of said everything we, we have to say. We've we've done it again. We've covered we've it all. Really covered everything. We did it. All Joe. right. We did it, Joe. Uh, so, yeah, to anyone who's made it this far, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to listen to this. Don't know why you do that. Hopefully you were entertained. I like to think you were. As I said before, we do not have an attorney. That goes for anybody threatening to sue us for a multitude <laughs> of reasons. <laughs> uh, Tuco Salamanca says, go dogs. Tight, tight, tight. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>